social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting less. If you're social, then you really could be leading less. You can't let what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I am Carrie Kirpin, and today I am so excited to be speaking to Meryl Weinsepp Cooper, who is principal and co-founder of Alan Cooper Enterprises. Meryl is a communication social media specialist, public published author and blogger, who also teamed up with Helen Allen in 2011 to launch Allen Cooper and Site 109, which I cannot wait to ask her about. She's also a co-author of a book which I am dying to know all about, which is Be Your Own Best Publicist, How to Use PR Skills to Get Hired, Noticed, and Rewarded at Work. Also, my favorite initial fun fact, although I do believe we will have many fun facts throughout this interview, is that Meryl's Twitter handle is at grape. Meryl, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I, Meryl, I can't start the interview without the at Grape story because clearly you're an early adopter of social media if you this, were to secure such a name. This is very true. And uh, I just was so thrilled to be able to get that handle. And the the long and the short of it, or the story behind the Twitter handle is that my maiden name is Weinsaft, which means grape juice in German. And when my husband and I started dating, he used to call me grape juice. And then that shortened to grape. Now it's G. He just calls me G. But uh, I was able to secure grape. And now a lot of people just call me grape. I'm a big fan of that story. I'm also a big fan of nicknames, especially between partners. Like I like how things morph. Well, I think, yeah, it's also it's just it's an endearing thing. It's an inside joke. It's just fun. Like how often does he call you G? All the time. That's what he calls me. He'll be like, hey, G. Yeah. What's up, G? Oh, I love it. Does anyone else call you G? Uh, some people do. Some people call me Wine Safety, And then my uh, Instagram handle is NotoriousMWC. So a couple people call me that. Brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, I'm just hanging with the – it feels really street. I'm Wait, not so, as street yes, as it does. Yes, it does. I, it does. It does. It, it works with your I'm whole I'm very punk thing. rock on the inside. I love it. Yeah. I love it. But you have a punk rock vibe as well. Oh, I thanks. Thank I love you. It. You're not really seeing the hair right now, but it's inspired by Debbie Harry Circa 70 where it's like light on top and dark. Oh, I love. You're going to have to take this down later. And also we'll show. need to take an Instagram photo okay, we will. We'll like so that we can up. share it from that fabulous handle, which yeah. I love. All right. So before we get into that, because I do ha- actually have some questions about your handles and listening to you. But first, <laughs> tell me the story of your life. I want to oh. know how you got to where you are. I want your whole career path, your whole life story. Ready, set, go. Uh, okay. Ready, go. Well, uh, <laughs> I was I was born... Uh, in Brooklyn and then raised on Long Island. Special. One of three girls. I have a twin sister. Another fun oh, fact. Oh, that is a fun fact. Mm-hmm. Identical? We look a lot alike, but we're uh, we're like – We are identical fraternal where the egg splits before fertilization for unknown reasons, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, if you bumped into her on the street after this, you would be uh, really irritated that I didn't acknowledge you. Wow. Does she have the Debbie Harry hair? She doesn't. And she's really mad at me for the Debbie Harry hair because – 
uh, all of our life, we've had the blonde hair, and then, you know, it gets darker age. Oh. And uh, she thinks that because I have the darker, she's going to kill me for talking no, about I love this. this, the darker undertones, she thinks that people will think that our hair is not naturally blonde. So she's mad at me for it. I disagree. I, I, I in looking at you, and you know what? Well, you're, we're going to post this on Instagram and see what our listeners. Think and you know, we have said. Eastern European heritage, so we have the blonde That's situation. It. That's it. I love it, and I also love identical-ish. I feel yeah, you are identical-ish, definitely yeah. identical-ish. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Okay, so you were raised on Long Island. Yep. with your sister, with and... my sister and my older okay. sister, and uh, and then when I w- when I graduated college, I was I went to Ithaca College. Yes. Go love, bombers, love, and um, and they, they it was a really strong communication school, and I came out of there thinking I am definitely going to be in advertising, mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. Advertising, I hate PR. Mm-hmm. So lesson number one: never say never. <laughs> uh, I I did advertising for about six months and realized that was not for me. It was a long story, and there are some hellish bosses in the middle of it, mm-hmm. but. Uh, the long and the short of it is that I moved to Boston for a brief stint and I was able to get a job at an art gallery and uh, do some communications work. And when I moved back to New York, I segued from art into uh, into music PR. I worked with a lot of rock uh, sort of uh, 70s and 80s rock bands. Mm. Yeah. Who was your favorite? Uh, I, I mean, I yeah. had to love Howard Jones because oh, he was my guy fabulous. when I was growing up, you yes. know. Howard Jones, The Fix, uh, wow. Ted Nugent, uh, but uh, working with a wonderful woman uh, named Carol Kay, who was the original publicist for Blondie. Hello, full Oh, circle. bringing it full circle. I know. She's really amazing. Her husband is Ricky Bird, from, who was one of the original Blackhearts. Wow. Amazing guy. Amazing guy. So how did you... Did you just, like, kind of fall into that and know that you loved it? Like, did you know instantly? Well, uh, no. You know what? When I decided not to be in advertising and I went into art, I was doing a little bit of communication. So when I came back uh, and I I left the gallery that I had been working at when I came back to New York, I did some volunteer work for LifeBeat, the music industry's AIDS organization. I was doing a lot of after parties. And that was – it was there that I met this guy who was starting his own PR company. That's where I worked with uh, Howard Jones and stuff. And I started to realize that I was actually pretty good at it. I'm a good writer. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed speaking to people. I, in PR, you, you have to put creative ideas together yes. uh, and be able to tell the story that matters to others, right? So uh, that's where I started to formulate that. So I went from there to work for Carol. And then after I left Carol, I was brought on to start the New York PR Department of Screen Actors Guild. Uh, and that's where I was able to learn about big events and weird stuff like building a shot. So when in your when you're backstage in a award ceremony, you have a big group of people, you have to corral everyone, and it's called building the shot. And you sort of put people together and make sure that everyone can be seen and that wow. the, so what have you. And then from there, I went to a magazine company and uh, did PR for Working Woman and Working Mother magazine when they were both yes. together at the time. And uh, it was uh, it was while I was there. I was there for a long time, and I had brought my editor in chief to a morning show green room, and I ran into a woman. And it was at the time I was getting married, and I was thinking after I come back from my honeymoon, I'm going to have to look for another job because it was it was time. Mm-hmm. And I was in the morning show green room of uh, of Good Morning America. And uh, I met up with a woman who had worked at this PR agency in. I guess, knew of a position there. So she facilitated a meeting with 
uh, her ex-boss. And uh, the long and the short of it is we met, we loved each other, and I got a job at uh, LaForce and Stevens, which is a big boutique PR firm in New York City. And I was there for five years, and I worked my way up uh, from not having any sort of uh, department. They brought me in just because he liked me and yeah. thought I could do the job, and I ended up having a big department and ended up uh, leaving after being made partner um, just because I wanted something a little different and uh, worked at DeVries, uh, which is an, a bigger agency, and then came here. And what's been great about it is that I, throughout the time, I like to say I've had a nonlinear career where I just have picked up little items along the way. And if you're – in order to succeed in business, you know, started talking about how what happens when you're first – getting out of school and you need to choose a path. Well, I say even if you choose a path, it may not be the path that you end up on. Right. It doesn't have to be your forever path. Right. It's exactly, exactly. the same. And when, uh, when my co-author for Be Your Own Best Publicist, my co-author and I speak to a lot of people who are just starting out, uh, and we do say that. It's like, okay, what are you good at and what do you want to do? And don't be disheartened if as you're going along the road – you get distracted by a shiny object over here. Go ahead and pursue it. You never you never know where that path will take you. Awesome. So let's talk. See, I'm dying to ask you about the book. I've got to ask you now because you just walked right into that. I want to, I have other questions about, about the right agency up. side, but I, I, I have to. So talk okay. to me about being your own best publicist. How important is it well, to be the, a publicist for yourself? Oh, sure. Well, there's never been a more important time to be your own best publicist. And that's whether you're just starting out or whether you are looking to make a transition or you're an entrepreneur looking to stand out. The world, it's cluttered right now. So you have to not only manage your own reputation and manage your messaging, but be able to connect with the right people, tell your story in the way that you want to. If you're not telling your story, someone else is telling it for you. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's something that's very challenging for women. I know a lot of women that I meet and young women have a lot of difficulty talking about themselves, and especially in social where there's so much like kind of just overall you've seen like the articles with people posting their, these life stories on Instagram that are not even true, just like kind of just promoting themselves, right. et cetera. It's very uncomfortable for women to do that sometimes. What do you say to a young woman who needs to be their own best publicist but is uncomfortable talking about themselves. There's a way to promote yourself without being irritating, right? So it's about really understanding because there is every interaction is an opportunity. It's not about um, standing on the rooftop and screaming that you're great. That's not about it. So we talk uh, in Be Your Own Best Publicist about leveraging some key PR techniques to get hired, noticed, and rewarded at work. Uh, so one is really, first and foremost, understanding what you want to say, who you are, how you want to communicate it, that age-old uh, response to, so tell me about yourself. And you wouldn't believe how many people just get caught flat-footed when they're asked that question, whether it's in a job interview or at a cocktail party. They're like, oh, well, hemming and hawing, and that certainly isn't a great way to communicate about yourself. So first and foremost, you want to understand who you are, what you want out of life, and, and you know, what your strengths are. Do you have any tips for fi- do people who are figuring that out? I know so many people I've met. When I, when I interview people a lot of times, I say, what do you want to do? And they just go, well, you know, I could do this. I could do that. Like, and lack that's of the focus. hardest thing. It's- lack of focus is really challenging, and that, that's the kiss of death in an interview because, frankly, someone's going to want you to be directed and passionate and committed. And 
you know, even if you're faking it till you make it, right? Just choose a direction and go. So in the that. book, in the book, we we actually have exercises in the back of each chapter, and one is about getting that quote unquote elevator pitch down. I'm sorry, it's like everyone talks about the elevator pitch, but it is so important. Uh, so just a sort of free form writing about what your experience is, uh, how you know what you've been able to accomplish. A couple of key examples of that, and um, and then honing it down. And we also say it's really great to to try that out on your friends and your family and practice it. Uh, that's whether you're going into a job interview or not, uh, or or going into a cocktail party. Just being able to get that down to a couple of lines. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really everything. One of the things I love that you said was when you said choose a direction and go, it's kind of what you said earlier about it doesn't have to be your forever Right, exactly. Well, it's a perfect – I'm a perfect example of that. I was so sure about advertising, absolutely done, done, and done. And then in six months, I knew that that wasn't the place. So you have to go with your gut and then really – when you're in that moment, do gut, do those gut checks again to say, is this really working for me? Life is short. You want to make sure that you're doing things that you're passionate about, even if even if it's a job that you're making money to pay the rent or to put Absolutely. food on the table. Absolutely. And do you talk to me a little bit about confidence? Do you think that confidence is something that you just inherently have, or do you think you can work on having more confidence? Is that an innate kind of trait? Because a lot of this has to do with having the confidence to be at a, a networking event and just get out there and put yourself out there and give your elevator pitch. Do you, what do you I, think? I think that some people are inherently confident or they just come off confident. But you can cultivate confidence yep. by having those key messages in place, really yep. knowing what you want to say. When we're training in PR, mm-hmm. you train people to speak in front of the media. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, I sit down and I say, okay, what do you want to communicate? Okay, let's make sure. And then training them to say it in multiple different ways. And if something is being addressed that maybe they don't want to address, bridging back to what they want to talk about. Their key right? message. Exactly. Yeah. So you can cultivate confidence by being really clear about what you want to say and what your goals are for the situation. Uh, in PR, we say always have a plan and a backup plan, right? So what are your What's the goal for the conversation? Where do you want to go? Do I want to? Uh, do I want to just make a connection? Mm-hmm. Do I want to ask for assistance meeting someone else, or do I want to take it to the next level for a job? What have mm. you? And in terms of walking into an event, and we do we talk about this a lot, and it's scary. And even as a PR person, uh, Jessica and I, my co-author and I, laugh about it because it can be daunting to walk into a room that you don't. A, Filled with, pe- filled with people that you don't know. So it's good to try to make a game of it. Say, I'm walking in. I'm not going to leave unless I talk to five new people. Once you reach that goal, that's great. You've done your job. Then you just you just have to follow up with them afterwards. But it's just about giving yourself little goals to accomplish and make it a game for yourself. Like, okay, so now I'm going to try to work in this word to all of my different conversations. And that way you're taking the focus off of the anxiety and more on the accomplishment. I absolutely love that about making a game of it. Yeah. I think that works for, for especially for young people. One of the things that I found with in general networking and when you're interacting in person is that there is a generational thing now because people are so attached to their phones, looking down, texting, tweeting, all, you know, really being in social media that they've become less inherently social face to face at networking type events. I completely agree. And 
uh, your network is truly your net worth, right? So it's something like 80% of senior jobs are filled through personal connections. I think that's even – it's growing from a junior perspective. Certainly I know that uh, when people come to me from Ithaca College, they reach out to me through the alumni network or just through the through the communication school. They're building that connection and I'm more willing to help them. Certainly though – Let's talk a little bit. You're you're talking about the generation. So they, they're not used to connecting in person. They're also not used to saying thank you after the fact. Totally. And one of the most important things and the thing that I will knock out anyone, even if I have a personal connection to them, is if I don't get a thank you note yep. immediately yep. following any sort of meeting or assistance. Yep. How long do you give them? I give them – I'm really lenient. <laughs> if, I, if it shows up, even if it shows up a week later, I'm fine yeah. with it. Um, but uh, my my business partner and other people I know really only give them twenty four to forty eight hours to and to can send a thank a note. you be electronic or handwritten. I think it's I think it's nice to I say when in doubt do both yes. send a note say thank you so much for your time and then write a note that ex- expands a little on the conversation refers back I saw this article thought of you you know. It's so easy to stay in touch with people nowadays, and you're talking about this generation. They're on Facebook and they're on Twitter. We interviewed a guy for the book, uh, Peter Shankman, who does help a reporter out, and he told us that he made something like $200,000 in one year just simply by wishing people happy birthday and staying in touch with them on Facebook. It's so easy to do that now. Tell someone I'm thinking about you. Share an article. Acknowledge something that they've accomplished, and that way you're not reaching out to them only when you need something. That's another thing. It's like about staying in touch with people lightly throughout the year is like one of the most important aspects. So it sounds like knowing who you are and when you're interacting with people, making sure you keep in touch and cultivate those relationships. What else do we need to do to be our own best publicist? (laughs) Well, it's also understanding where you want to go, right? To have a plan and a backup plan. We talked about this a little bit. If you don't know where you want to go, it's really hard to plot mm-hmm. a course to get mm-hmm. there. So setting those little goals and and working every day, a little bit every day. So I want to get a job at MTV, for example. Hopefully it's okay to say that. <laughs> uh, so, okay, if you want to get a job at that company, I'm going to set five goals. I'm going to look at my network and see who's going to be there. And every day I'm going to reach out to one person that I know might be connected. I'm going to post to my family and friends and say, I really love this company. How do I do it? Every day, I'll, uh, my goal will be to find one person on Twitter that's tweeting about MTV and maybe tweet back at them about it. I don't know. There are just little things you could do. So have a plan and a backup plan. And if things don't work, then you can course correct and you can figure out other alternative routes. Another really key thing is to uh, be persistent without being pest. So do stay in touch with people. Follow up. Keep going. Keep touching base finding other ways, be a problem solver. I know when I look for people to work at my company, one of the things I always say is have a figure it out, Gene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do believe that that is, uh, unfortunately, it's something that not everyone has. And uh, and the people who are able to approach a problem, come at a problem and find solutions or at least Propose a solution. Propose a solution. Propose a solution. We'll stand out in the workplace. I think that's key. I think coming in 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 the workplace and and being really, truly solution-oriented is a huge differentiator, which is is so funny because you wouldn't think that 
especially with information at your fingertips yes. now, you would think that, and I, I don't want to be like, catch today. You know, like that is not what I know, what it I'm is saying. really hard not to sound like a curmudgeon. Right. I do it all the time. I'm like, so what do you think about these millennials? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I sound very old. But but the, but the amazing thing is that there are these bright, oh, shining stars. Incredible. And that's, it's for anyone who's listening, if you can come and be that person who shows enthusiasm, a really good attitude, has figured out, Gene, you're going. You're going to be the one that gets that job over the others. That gets that raise over the others. You know, uh, the other challenge really is that people walk in the door nowadays. They want to go from zero to VP in oh, yes. a matter yeah, of yeah. a month, right? Yeah. We know this is like these are old yes. stories. Yes. Um, but the more you can show that you are a self-starter and that you're going to take on new things, you're raising your hand to do above and beyond, then. You're going to get to that place. You may not get it there in a month, but you right. might get there. So you said one thing. You said be persistent, but not a pest. Mm-hmm. I love that. So how do you how do you know? How are you able to gauge persistence versus being it, a pest? It's very challenging, and yeah. you sort of have to feel your way in PR. One of the key things is is following up, right? So we send an email with a pitch, crickets. Okay, well then we have to maybe we send a follow up email, and then. The third touch base would be a call. How that translates for if you don't have a job, it really does. So you're you're sending the thank you note. Make sure you send the thank you note. You don't hear you, and hopefully you've had a conversation trying to manage expectations, right? Mm-hmm. So you walk out the door and you say, "Do you have a sense of the timeline?" Okay, two weeks. Great. You don't hear in two weeks. You follow up again. I'm really interested in the job. About it's about showing enthusiasm mm-hmm. without being a stalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about adding value. Mm-hmm. So when you follow up, say, I saw this email. I saw the tweet from the CFO. I really am interested in this. This is such an interesting campaign that you're doing. Whatever it is, leveraging the news that they're sharing via their social media or a website is a really useful way to show not only that you're interested and engaged, but that you are that you're paying attention, that you want that position. And ultimately, unfortunately, if you're not if you're getting radio silence, maybe after the third attempt, you know, so two times via email, then you pick up the phone. If you're still not getting the love, I would let it sit for about a month. Try one more time and just say you may have moved on. If you have, I really would appreciate any feedback in terms of why you may have gone with another person so it could help me with my job search. And thank you very much for your time. It's always and I think about usually being when you acknowledge by the la- you know, towards the last attempt, like, you know, yes, I realize it was not me. You know, perhaps you can give me some insight into why. Yeah. Usually then sometimes people are just uncomfortable saying no, even right. even as as far along in their careers as they may be, sometimes people really avoid the no. They just go for the yes. And so I think it's really important to acknowledge that. I know I know that I've seen that um, not really with job candidates, but with uh, vendors or different people who are reaching out. You know, they say, you know, I, I have a feeling it's not me. <laughs> and right. so if so, can you just tell me why? And in that case. And sometimes people are just super busy. busy. My husband uh, basically interviewed for a year for where he is now, or mm-hmm. maybe it was the job before. But anyway, it took over a year to get an yes. answer. Yes. And sometimes it just falls off the radar or the funding goes away and you just don't know. And really, you, they should be communicative. Right. But sometimes you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Everyone's being asked to do more with a less. Things. And 
you just have to – and maybe it's a test, right? Maybe they're checking. Are you patient? How, are you persistent? How persistent how, are you? How interested are you? You never know. I love it. So It's true. And so you talked a lot about uh, people who are trying to get in for a job. Mm. And you talked a little bit about when you're kind of pitching on behalf of a company. What about being your own best publicist at the workplace when you're working somewhere and you want to be known? Let's say you work in a big company and you feel like you could be, you know, kind of swallowed up and lost. Are there are there things you can do when you're working in a company to be noticed and be your own best publicist? Sure. Well, we've touched a little about right, so it's about raising your hand to do maybe yes. above and beyond. Yes. So there's a project that comes out, or maybe there's a committee that's being formed, even social committee within a company, yes. or you see a gap in something that the company uh, that the, maybe could, the company could use but doesn't have. Let's say uh, we really need to figure out the database, and that's outside the realm of what you're already doing. Raise your hand and say, "I'd love to do the research." Or you can come to – you read an article in the paper and you say, this company is doing this. I think we can translate that to our company. It's about bringing ideas and raising your hand to go above and beyond. Another great way to do it, and this sort of is like promoting yourself without being obnoxious, is actually – you can pat yourself on the back but pat others harder. So when you're in a group and you're doing uh, collaborative things and you see someone doing a great job, acknowledge them to their – their boss or to your boss, and and whether that's via email or verbally, to be able to say, like, acknowledging the other people because that would – first of all, that's just a nice thing to do. It will make people more inclined to support you, mm-hmm. and it just breeds a better working uh, relationship, and that will be noticed by the higher-ups. I love that. I love offering praise out. Mm-hmm. I think actually does – that. that's a great way in terms of looking at an indirect way to receive praise for yourself is to offer praise to Right. Others. And it's not in an icky way like I'm going right, to compliment five people. Right. It's just really – it's the nice way to be and people will notice the good that you're doing if you're acknowledging the good that they do. It sounds – a lot, you know, I hear a lot through what you're saying around gratitude. It's like writing the thank you notes. It's really being thankful for watching others who are success- succeeding in your in your workplace. I think it's a lot around that too. It is absolutely. It's also about making sure that you're presenting yourself in the appropriate way at mm-hmm. work. And unfortunately, that is a lot to do. That has a lot to do with appearance. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you are uh, showing up and showing yourself in a way that. Uh, dovetails nicely with the corporate culture, right? So whether that's uh, making sure that you are are dressed in a level that that mirrors your boss or your boss's boss is a really important thing. Don't show up. If it's if it's a really corporate place, probably not a good idea to wear leggings and flip-flops. <laughs> and people show yeah, up. I, I know. People show up that way. Do you recommend you do you you mirror your boss? Is that what you recommend? I think you want to dress for the for the job that you want. Yes. Uh versus the job that you have. Yes. Uh you may not want your boss's job. A lot of people say I really don't want that position, but you want to at least f- look like you fit into the culture. And the other thing is have a signature. We talk a little bit about that in the book. Ooh. Have a signature. So it's not you know you can fit into the culture, but then have something that really makes you you. Is it a really cool haircut? Are you known for your glasses? Have some funky glasses? Do you? I wear a lot of. I I, I see myself as a modern vintage girl, right? Yes. So I Inevitably, are I'm wearing, of course not today, <laughs> a piece something vintage. You abandoned your I abandoned signature it. today. 
I'm like, I might have some, something vintage I have somewhere. Something, yes, exactly. I have a brooch in my purchase. Ah! Or something. But it's it's about infusing the corporate culture with a little bit of yourself, so you stand out. Oh, that. Oh, right. She oh, she always wears the signature. cutest dresses. Oh, I. You know, she has the the cutest haircut. Oh. Uh, he really wears cool ties or... Well, you know, my husband, Dave Kirpin, wears only orange shoes. There you That's go. His That's his signature. orange shoes. Right. That's his I signature. I need a signature. You know, you really just started me thinking about that. I mean, well... What he, can my signature be? No, today I'm a little, I'm a little more I like... like the, I like the dress. Do you wear the, really cool uh, shift dresses? Sometimes, but not always. I think I need to really tap Maybe into Maybe like a, a cool ring, a ring or something? It could be. Yeah. I have a I have an ex coworker who just was known for these huge honking rings, and that's what she would wear all the time. You know, the important thing is just not to fade into the background. We we tell a story when we uh, speak um, uh, about a woman who she's a media trainer, and uh, she talks a little bit about a woman who uh, she trained, and it, she was in a financial industry, and she was really this woman was really frustrated because she felt like she was being ignored and and not really being acknowledged, et cetera. And uh, Joyce said to her, uh, well, you know, where are you usually – she was she was in the office with her. She's like, well, where are you usually having these conversations? The woman's like, oh, usually around here in this conference yes. room. Oh, uh, what do you usually wear? She's like, well, something like this. Well, Joyce said, well, take a look at yourself. You're in a brown paneled conference room. You're wearing a brown suit. You are literally fading into the background. Aww. Joyce Newman. She's amazing. That's She's an amazing. amazing media trainer. Yeah. Wow. And so it's about understanding how you are uh, literally standing out from your environment as that, well. That just enlightened my world right there. Yeah. I love that. Such yeah. a good piece, Marilyn. I love it. So, okay. So tell me about how social media plays into being your own best publicist. Um, oh, sure. Well, it's imperative nowadays that you manage your reputation, not just in person, but online. Google is your first resume. Mm-hmm. And even CEOs are finding now that it's when their names are Googled and things come up from, uh, you know, reputation management sites that yes. they are facing some challenges as yes. well, right? So it's it's really important that you're thinking about everything you put out there. I like to say your digital profiles, your lasting legacy, it really does literally outlast you on this it earth, does. unfortunately. And um And too often people aren't being judicious about what they're putting out there. So uh, we like to say hit the pause button. Think about what you're putting out there. Which, and a lot of people talk about, you know, don't put anything out there. You wouldn't want your grandmother to see. Right. But it is really a, a, a challenging thing because so many HR people are looking online to gauge whether they want a, a particular candidate. And if it's between one who has a squeaky clean reputation online and one who has some questionable yes. Uh, or demonstrates poor judgment, then certainly that's something that is uh, going to weigh heavily on on the choice. Yeah, I think it's it's a very interesting challenge for people that they're uh, they're they're the shift to share things socially right has happened. So like it's the me generation is the selfie generation. You're sharing all kinds of things, um, but. There is really no concept of privacy anymore because you don't you you lose that and looking for an employer and everything else you kind of know that as you're posting it out there it's really challenging and uh, you know who had I, I'm thankful that we didn't have social media yes. when I was in my twenties it's hard to it's hard to really have that perspective that something is going to be with you forever in mm-hmm. your twenties mm-hmm. it's just that hopefully 
because there are so many cautionary tales, people getting fired for tweets and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> crazy things being passed around. It, it's it's um, my hope is that the generation will ultimately think about it. But, you know, on the flip side, you can't be afraid to put yourself out there because you do need a digital footprint. If you if you don't have a presence online, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, you're seen as a relic. So it it is striking that balance about how and thinking about how you want to present yourself again with your key messages and and who you want to be seen as. And I'm not saying being false and creating the Instagram right. fake right profiles because that's really yeah it, it's inauthentic and people see right through that. Um, but it is about being cautious and considering what platforms you're on what you want to say and who who's going to see it. Do you and, think it's important to have a presence? So you said it was Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn you mentioned well, for sure. Well, I think you have to consider what what it's for. Right. Right? Um most people nowadays have a Facebook account unless they are in a, a business that really doesn't yeah, allow it. Or, Finance. I have a friend who is a US attorney mm-hmm. who uh, is so clear that Facebook is because Facebook is used to to find yes. people yes. and to track them. Yes, and she sure. just will not. Does not. She doesn't have any digital presence at all, which I think but is for challenging. A US, U.S. attorney is kind of a choice, right? Exactly. Um, but for everyone else, especially people in communication or in corporate mm-hmm. world, and especially the people who are just coming in, they're expected to have a digital footprint. And if they don't, there's something strange there and, and they may not be seen as relevant. And certainly as you get – if you – Go and look at the people in their 30s and their 40s. You need to seem relevant and ha- be able to speak the lingo, if you will. So certainly most people have Facebook. Twitter is an interesting uh, tool because it's a, a great way to connect with others in your industry and keep up on news. Great news feed. That's probably, I think, the um, the easiest thing because you can just listen. And, and it provides you such access. You can connect with just about anybody. Just about anybody. LinkedIn, I feel like people, it's also a great professional tool. Not every industry is on there. Like filmmakers don't really right. use LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, but corporate certainly. Definitely does. Definitely. And that's another great way to join groups and understand what's happening in the industry. Mm-hmm. And certainly recruiters use that as a key tool. Otherwise, you know, there there's always a new platform, Vine and Instagram, whatever. It there's always going to be a new platform. It's going to be the flavor of the month or the year, and then it'll go away. So you have to decide how much time you have and where you want to spend your energy. Yeah, and I think I think when looking at career and and your digital footprint, you're probably going to want to look at networks that are more tried and true and have a lasting power. So like once they've stayed for a period of time, because you could try something on Vine and then tomorrow it could. But if you're in tech or in a creative world and you're like, okay, this is a cool new thing, I'm going to be an early adopter. That's a whole other level. And you build a name for yourself on Vine creating these cute little videos, then that could be a way to stand out. So it's just a matter of what you choose and how and just knowing that things change all the time. Exactly. I think that that's really okay. Any other advice you have for our listeners out there? You have such so many good gems. Be (laughs) persistent but not a pass. Choose a direction and go. I love all of these things. Well, uh, I mean, in a a society where gratification is 
seemingly instant, it really is important to take a step back and really and understand that not everything happens right away and to to be patient. And then I also think there are always missteps. People mess up all the time and we're human. That, that's yep. what happens. So it doesn't have to be the end of the world. Even in the – everyone loves a comeback story. So even the worst problematic – situations we see it all the time with celebrities yes uh it's about they love the comeback they though. love the comeback love the comeback and, as much as they love the fall well yes yes arguable, At, arguable. no no it's true it's true yeah. it's very true but for for you in your career you could be you could have missteps as long as you acknowledge it you're able to communicate about it and that you are uh you find ways to learn from it and move forward um it's something I learned from my co-author, Jessica, is a question that I now ask in every interview, which is, can you tell me about a time you failed, mm-hmm. what you did in the moment, mm-hmm. and what you learned from it? And it's so insightful Always. because it's it's an incredible way to understand, you know, everyone is going to mess up. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with it? Can you Did you run from it? Did you meet it head on? Mm-hmm. And then have you learned from it so it'll never happen again? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. All right. So... I think I'm going to close with that exact question. When have you failed? And what did you learn from it? Excellent. Okay, well, this is this is a, a story from my youth. I love a story <laughs> from your youth. Um, so I my first job out of school was at an advertising agency. And I was low man on the totem pole. There were four people above me and directions and conversations all the time. Anyway, uh, I was leaving for a weekend and I was in a rush to get out of the office and I was asked to send slides to the client for from a, a an ad shoot. So you know it's really a long time ago when I tell you that they were glass slides. <gasps> wow. And I went down to the mailroom the way I was supposed to yes. and I handed it to them and I said, please mail these to yes. the client. And I didn't watch them wrap it. And they, needless to say, they arrived shattered. (gasps) And I think I was on vacation or I had gone away or something where I was out the next day. And I got a call from my favorite of the four bosses just saying, you know, this is is a real problem. How are you going to do it? So I obviously acknowledged it. Yeah. And I left – I went into the office to get duplicates and – and then what I learned from it was that you have to be explicit in your direction and ideally you take the extra steps to make sure that things are done perfectly but as it leaves your hands. Love it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I have to tell you, Meryl, this was a total pleasure and I really hope that everybody checks out your amazing book, Be Your Own Best Publicist, How to Use PR Skills to Get Hired, Noticed, and Rewarded at Work. And of course, you can follow Meryl at Grape on Twitter. And wait, what was your Instagram again? Notorious? Notorious MWC. I love it. Notorious MWC. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.